This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, here's Noam Layden on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, WABC News Time, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Tuesday, February 28th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Snow showers this morning. It'll turn to all rain this afternoon. The high 40. Cloudy tonight and overnight low 32. And then tomorrow sunshine, high 45. If you are walking out the door with us right now, it is 33 with a messy mix of rain and snow. So, of course, you're wondering how the commute in is going to be, what it looks like on the streets and sidewalks. I can tell you about what it looked like for me. Well, now we're talking almost two hours ago. It's a little bit better. But uh, here in the city and the outlying areas, it was snow, rain, sleet. You might have heard it against the windows overnight, kind of icy. If you walk out to your car, you're definitely going to need, eh, you know, five minutes to wipe the snow off, uh, at least in the local area. And these are the streets that I go down. So from uh, New Jersey through the Lincoln Tunnel into New York City, uh, not too bad at all. The streets are actually pretty clear. You might have to drive just a little bit slower than you normally do. But uh, because so many people remote work and the people who don't do it every day will obviously take this opportunity today to stay home if they can, not to get on the streets, you'll see that the commute in, even with the snow, will be a lot easier probably than it normally is. Now, if you are out... In the northern suburbs, you got hit a little bit harder. It's you know, five, six inches of snow. Again, we're being told from people who are on the streets, pretty good. The main thoroughfare is okay. The side streets, you know, a little dicey as they always are. But again, nothing terrible. Some late delays, some small school cancellations. But we'll get into that as the morning wears on. The top five at five. All right. Well, the city has been hit with snow, sleet, and rain overnight. Students in one New Jersey school district want to be better protected. Why do water mains keep falling apart in Hoboken? A creepy cop on Long Island gets what he deserves. And some sheep skip out on a local slaughterhouse. All right. Let's get into it. 502 on this Tuesday morning. How about if we go to the streets. Let's get a first-hand look from our own WABC's Alex Barnard, who is out in Midtown at this early hour. All right, Alex, give a description of what you're seeing out there. Well, Noam, you know, I'm honestly not seeing a whole heck of a lot. This winter storm, at least for New York City, turned out to be a bit of a dud. Uh, right now, I'm standing in here in Midtown Manhattan, and all I can see really is just a little bit of snow piled up at the uh, edges of the curb covering partially some of the cars around here. But other than that, quite a bit of sludge and slush. So what's, um, nothing much else. Anything falling right now, or is it just uh, stopped? Is the, is the system sort of done? We've got a very light drizzle coming down right now, but it's, it's turned to rain. The snow, whatever is left of the snow that we were seeing 
overnight and uh, leading up to um, the overnight hours has gone away. We are facing just a little bit of drizzle at the moment. So the men and women who work overnight in the, all these office buildings and apartment buildings all across the city, they're, they're sort of unbelievable the way they clear off the sidewalk. Now, I know it sounds like there's not a lot for them to clear, but what does it look like from where you where, what you're looking right now? It, it really doesn't look like there is much to clear, uh, at least on the block uh, to my right. There is maybe a little more for, uh, you know, a doorman or whoever is out there to, to clean up, but on the block I'm standing right now, it's pretty clear that it, whatever was there is melted away. And blacktop on the streets, it's the streets are clear, no snow. Streets are streets are seeing a little bit of slush, but other than that, they're clear. Say, looks like it's mostly um, safe to safe conditions to drive in. Which, speaking of, we spoke to a limo driver named Muhammad um, earlier in the evening. Here's what he had to say. When was the last time you had a drive in snow? Uh, last year. Uh, so it was pretty bad when I drove. Uh, the roads were very uh, slippery, and uh, and uh, it's been a very uh, bad experience driving in the snow. you so got to be careful, right? Careful, absolutely. Now, all I can say is I'm pretty disappointed for all those kids in the city who aren't going to be able to break out their sleds today. Yeah, well, right. You're not going to be able to break out your sleds. And, of course, city schools almost never close. And they're obviously not going to close for this because, as you're describing it, it's kind of much of nothing at this hour. Absolutely. Yeah, no. You, you can expect to be sending your kids to school today. All right. W- <laughs> WABC's Alec Barnard with the tough job out on the city streets looking at what is not much of a snowstorm at this hour now turning to what is all going to be rain for the rest of this day uh, alex barnard thank you very much wabc news time 506 uh, we had the department of sanitation they were out actually overnight i did see some trucks out here's the uh commissioner talking about what jessica tish talking about what those trucks were up to new yorkers may have gotten out of the habit of dealing with snow this winter but the sanitation department hasn't we are fully prepared for whatever mother nature sends our way yeah we were talking to people of course who were out last night hoping for something big but as you heard it has not at least here in the city been anything big checked all the shovels see if they were cracked broken bought new ones and then uh got the snowblower running we haven't had it for so long i guarantee you there's going to be no toilet paper no milk and no eggs yeah uh, you know it's funny uh we were watching people coming out of supermarkets last night people go crazy this is good uh for the people who own supermarkets and uh good if you want to go home and cook a feast but uh they were empty some of them anyway this morning because people raced out to get the eggs and the bread and everything else. you know been sitting in there if it snows enough it's a reason to stay indoors and not have to go to work yeah. All right. You're going to have to go to work. WABC News Time 509. When kids complain or tell you that they are scared, we should listen. And boy, what is happening in Perth Amboy, New Jersey? You might have missed this story, but last week, a sixth grader stabbed a fifth grader right outside the building. And students at the school in Perth Amboy, the high school, the middle school, say they no longer feel safe. So yesterday, they walked out of classes to ask the administrators and point out to them that things are not safe inside the school. They're not letting kids be kids. The people who are supposed to be protecting us aren't doing that, and we need to change. I mean, it's, it's what they say, you know, it's fights, it's bullying, it's violence. The kids just run amok. By the way, I hear this from my own kids. They say it's more violent than it's ever been. Fights breaking out. They're worried about 
kids sneaking all kinds of weapons into school. Perth Amboy, the uh, school administrators there, well, I should say the unionized school administrators, say that knives are regularly bought into the school there, so they weren't completely shocked by what took place. No, I do not feel safe at all. We, we've been telling them for ages now that we need, we need new security guards, we need new protection, we need metal detectors. That fifth grader, by the way, is recovering, thank God. The sixth grader who stabbed him, as you might imagine, is in a heap of trouble. WABC News Time 510. What is going on in Hoboken? It seems like every other day we're reporting about a water main break. There was another one yesterday. This was a huge one. It cut off water to a good portion of the town. Businesses had to close. Schools were shut down because they can't stay open if there's no water. And uh, they fixed it for the most part, but now there's an issue of low water pressure this morning. This is a big one. Um, I haven't seen one this big in a, in a while. It's unfortunate. My dogs don't have water. <laughs> um, can't take a shower, can't do dishes, nothing. So it's not fun. Mayor sure. Ravi Abala there saying that things are getting better this morning. It's a legal requirement. Uh, at, for sanitary reasons, we have to shut down any establishments that don't have access to water. Yeah, so it was apparently a contractor through PSE&G that made some more sort of mistake. Uh, it's a big one when you cut through a water main. Now they're getting a water supply from Weehawk, and they normally get it from Jersey City. It's all complicated. But either way, the water seems to be back on. The issue now is pressure getting into those some of those high-rise buildings across the Square Mile City. WABC News Time 511, Governor Murphy in New Jersey, set to deliver his budget proposal today. He says the building, the so-called next New Jersey, means creating an economic future that uplifts everyone. He's expected to outline what New Jersey is doing to combat a teacher shortage, which is the case across most of the country right now. Which, again, is not unique to New Jersey. Everywhere in, in America is dealing with Did it. Did I just say that? But we are not immune to that. And stay tuned because we're going to take a couple, at least a couple of those ideas and put money where our mouth is. Okay, curious to see what it is. Maybe some of it is paying teachers more. For the sixth year in a row, he's proposing the fare stay the same for all New Jersey transit riders. They'll applaud that, I am sure. The governor could also mention how he he plans to expand access to liquor licenses for restaurants and breweries across the state. That will probably get applause as well. WABC News Time 512. A large landscaping crane collapsed in Cresco, New Jersey yesterday. This was a wild scene. They were trying to pull an oak tree out of the ground, and the oak tree won. So the truck, which was uh, pulling this tree out, all of a sudden was on its hind legs, like its back two wheels, and then it was touching electrical wires. So they could not figure out for a while how to get to this crane. They had to turn off the power, then they had to figure out how to unhook the crane from the tree. And as you might imagine, everybody in the neighborhood came out to watch this. It all kind of happened in slow motion. Thank God the, the boom hit where it landed on a tree, kept the truck from falling sideways into my neighbor's house. Yeah, there was a real fear it might collapse into the house. And it's one of these gigantic cranes that would do some serious damage to a house if it fell on top of it. The reason why it took so long was obviously it's a long and slow process to make sure that the crane wouldn't completely tip over and take out any of the other uh, structures. It was pretty complex. We had to uh, have three trucks working simultaneously, so that's a challenge because yeah. things work at a different pace. This is absolutely crazy, and I feel so bad for the guy who owns the company. He was operating the crane. Yeah, everything okay now. Spokesman for Orange and Rockland Utilities cut pa- says they cut power to about 22 customers as they did this work. Old Brothers Tree Service Landscaping uh, will now be able to remove that crane. 
I imagine they may have done that overnight. Thankfully, the good news here is nobody was hurt. WABC News Time 514. Let's go out to Long Island where a former NYPD cop sentenced to 25 years for uh, the murder of his son. You might remember this case. It's just a god-awful story. A jury found Michael Valva guilty of five charges, including second-degree murder. Prosecutors say he forced his 8-year-old son with autism to sleep in the freezing garage of their Suffolk County home. He happened back in January 2020. He was naked in the garage. Why he was punishing this kid, we don't know. But the little boy froze to death. I mean... How awful is that? Uh, here's the uh, prosecutors explaining some of the charges and what took place that day. He knew the dangers of the cold, and he subjected Thomas to it anyway, forcing him into the 21-degree weather naked after having him sleep in the freezing garage all night. The jury found this creepy cop guilty a month ago, and they were so bowled over and moved by the trial that they came back for the sentencing to watch it all play out yesterday. It was absolutely horrible. It was absolutely, you have, you have occasional nightmares about it, too, you know. I bet you do. He's getting exactly what he deserves. I think we just all feel a sense of closure right now. His definition of love must be different than mine because I have two kids. I have three, three girls, uh, two. Uh, I have twins that are 11 that were two months older than Thomas. And I couldn't imagine any father uh, doing, you know, what he did to his kids. Of course. Uh, slam that jail door shut forever and do not let this creepy cop out. WABC News Time 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk and we say good morning, Justin Ellis. Good morning, No, We are on the hardwood here. The Knicks, they stayed white hot last night at home with the then first place at Boston Celtics, beating them 109 to 94 to knock Boston out of the NBA's top spot and to secure their sixth straight victory. Julius Randle and Emmanuel quickly each scored. 23 points for the Orange and Blue, who were aided by the fourth-quarter ejection of Boston star Jason Tatum. Jalen Brunson added 17 from the point guard position, including this nifty lay-in to get the Knicks going early on. Nice change of direction. Oh, 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 from under. The great footwork from Jalen Brunson. That's his first soup of the game. 6-1. Now he manipulates the devastation right there. Manipulates and devastates that call, courtesy of MSG. Yeah, you gotta, courtesy of MSG. With the win, New York inches ahead of Brooklyn uh, into fifth place in the Eastern Conference standings. Emmanuel quickly spoke with MSG after the game about the team's will to win as of late. Six straight wins for the Knicks. Now, how much does that come down to chemistry in your mind? And can you describe what it's like inside the locker room right now? Yeah, God is great. Uh, we've been getting wins. You know, everybody's working hard, coming in, getting working. And so, uh, and our chemistry together is, is on another level. So we just want to continue to keep doing that. Uh, everybody's playing together, and, and, that, and that's what we're going to keep doing. Up next for the Knicks is a chance at seven straight when they welcome in the aforementioned Brooklyn Nets tomorrow night. Does Stick this in- mean we have to get back on the Knicks bandwagon? I've been only going to the Barclays Center to watch the Nets over the last couple of years because I hate the Dolans. But do I have to start liking the Knicks again? I think so, Noam. I mean, after especially after Brooklyn offloaded Kyrie Irving and, uh, and Kevin Durant. Yeah, that's I true. Think, I think the Knicks are, are the right. hot team. That's that's the status quo these days. <laughs> Anyways, uh, sticking with those nets, they'll be back on the court tonight at home for a 7.30 p.m. tip-off against the Milwaukee Bucks. And looking ahead to local action tonight, we've got hockey to look forward to. The Islanders are out in Minnesota taking on the Wild uh, for an 8 p.m. puck drop and a quick look at college basketball tonight as well with the Seton Hall Pirates 
getting set to welcome in Villanova tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Here is your early news sports update. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 519. The CDC director on the Trump administration saying, I told you so. We'll get into that story as the movie, uh, as the movie, as the morning wears on. And uh, the wackiness in East Palestine, Ohio, continues. That and more coming up. But first, at 520, it's a check of Wall Street with Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Wall Street still looking to recover after its worst week this year. The major indexes higher yesterday, but not the rally Wall Street was hoping for. Rate hike concerns still high after hotter January inflation data. Target earnings today, the stock's down more than a percent since Walmart's consumer forecast a week ago. Target investing a hundred million dollars into its e-commerce business, Wall Street forecasting an improved outlook. AutoZone reporting quarterly results today, the company fighting sluggish demand for auto parts. Home price growth forecast to have slowed for a sixth consecutive month, the latest Case-Shiller home price index update coming today. Consumer confidence forecast to be higher in February. The inflation outlook is improving after an unexpected decline on the index in January. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WAB. BC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. WABC News Time 521 commuters. Well, they had mixed feelings on the first day that the LIRR started full service into Manhattan's east side. It marks the completion of that $11 billion Grand Central Madison station. Decades in the making. And not everybody's happy, but some people are. Easier, quicker, and cheaper. Because now I don't have to take the regular trains. It's wonderful. I get on in my stamp stop on Long Island. It takes me right to work. It wasn't terrible. Uh, I'm not complaining. A lot of escalators, but that's about it. I bet the MTA will take it wasn't terrible as a compliment. While the MTA says it'll increase services by 41%, some riders actually are complaining that there's fewer express trains, more transfers for the LIRR. It'll cost the MTA $200 million to run service this year, and transit advocates want similar investments in bus and subway service. There's no more stops at Forest Hills or Woodside. Here come the complaints. Messed up on my weekend shopping. Commute to work is still fine. I'm, I, I'm complaining for all of Queens right now. More complainers? It just felt like there were too many trains, too many extra stops, a lot of congestion at uh, Jamaica, so it was 15 minutes longer. Because it's a lot of stops, and there's a lot of people that have to get on the train and off the train. The locals are always take longer. By my count, there was uh, two complimenting and three complaining. That's not bad for the MTA. WABC News Time 522. Former health officials criticized for claiming COVID likely came from a lab leak, feeling very vindicated now. This after the Department of Energy concluded that the pandemic started from a laboratory leak in China. I think these scientists finally really went and looked at the science and said... The science doesn't add up that this came out of nature. Do you remember how they were laughed out by the media? That's Dr. Robert Redfield. He was the CDC director during the Trump administration. Redfield faced widespread criticism in the media 
for the assertion as far back as I think it was 2021. U.S. government agencies have been divided over whether the health emergency began in China as the result of a lab leak or whether it emerged naturally. I find it really upsetting to me scientifically when good scientists get up and say, hey, it has to be a spillover event from nature because that's like COVID and like that. And that's I mean, that's like SARS and that's like MERS. And in fact, it's nothing like SARS and MERS. Yeah, he's, you know, he's on to something there. The scientists, at least during the Trump year, seem to become political, those government scientists, as opposed to just following the science and not worrying about where the politics are. But uh, that was during those Trump years. WABC News Time 524. EPA says four sites are now ready to receive waste from the February 3rd train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Regional EPA Administrator Deborah Shore says two Ohio sites began receiving waste material yesterday, while a third Ohio location and an Indiana location have been approved to start receiving waste material from that train derailment. Do you imagine being in those towns? Uh, Well, here's what it was like in East Palestine yesterday. The addition of these disposal locations gets us closer to having enough capacity to finish the cleanup and to get all the waste out of East Palestine as quickly as possible. That's good news. Shore announcing yesterday at a briefing that a welcome center in East Palestine will be available for members of the community to drop in to speak directly with officials from the EPA, FEMA, and other agencies. Members of the greater East Palestine community can drop in to meet with staff from EPA and other agencies and learn about services available to support the community. The mayor in East Palestine, Trent Conaway, was asked during Monday's briefing about symptoms residents are reporting. We played some of those uh, symptoms from the actual people yesterday. That one guy who had a deep voice then sounded like he was on helium since the crash on February 3rd. Uh, here's what the mayor had to say. I really think they're working as hard as they can. I I do question, you know, the people getting rashes and stuff like that, what, what is causing it. Um, they are saying everything's safe, and you know we're taking them at their word. It might be safe now, but they have to investigate exactly what took place. And as I mentioned before, that waste from the site in East Palestine or Palestine is now being removed and sent to other places. One of the places is Michigan, and you can imagine people in that town in Michigan are saying, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on!" So people in Michigan gathering outside a private waste facility to protest that toxic waste is coming from the train derailment. Uh, ABC, NBC News reporter George Solis was in Michigan, and he says it's raising red flags for everybody in this small town. Officials there saying they felt they were blindsided by the arrival of this material. Yes, and nobody told them it was coming. How's that possible? Some lawmakers, residents gathering to demand answers. Officials say they were told the waste was sent to Michigan because it's one of the few states that can handle the hazardous materials. But, of course, nobody wants these hazardous materials in their backyard till they figure out what it's done to those people in East Palestine. Some of this contaminated water and soil arriving to facilities raised red flags about some of this hazardous material. Yeah, and uh, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine recovering apparently remember when he was in east palestine last week he's actually been back and forth a lot but he was there last week and he was drinking water and going door to door telling neighbors that it's okay to drink the water and breathe the air and he was clinking glasses with people showing people that they could drink from the faucet well he suffered an injury this is just he 
broke his foot. <laughs> so he's in a uh, uh, fracking one of those boots walking around. And he says it's okay, and he's been able to do his job, but just another bizarre story out of everything that's happened in East Palestine since February 3rd. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden on 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, here's Noam Layden on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me, WABC News Time 532. Good morning. It's Tuesday, February 28th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Snow showers this morning. It's going to turn to all rain in some places. It already has. High 40 today. Cloudy tonight and overnight. Low 32. And then Wednesday, sunshine. High 45. If you are walking out the door with us at this early hour, it is 33 with a messy mix of rain and snow here in Midtown. So it did not amount to much snow-wise overnight. If you were hoping for a day off from school or if the business, your business was going to close, probably not going to happen. Even in the places where they're expecting a lot of snow or more snow in the Hudson Valley, not hit too hard. The Department of Sanitation, uh, Jessica Tisch, the commissioner there, says they had their full fleet out overnight. They didn't have to do a whole lot. It was more about salting and sanding these streets ahead of time. New Yorkers may have gotten out of the habit of dealing with snow this winter, but the sanitation department hasn't. We are fully prepared for whatever Mother nature sends our way. All right, so this wasn't the big storm, but what's so interesting is the National Weather Service, we've been on the phone with them a lot over the last couple of days, they say we still could get a big one, and they say there's even conditions right now that suggest we could get hit in early March with a big snowstorm, which would probably make a lot of people happy. I mean, I love looking at it. It's a it's a beautiful thing, you know. It's supposed to be here. My driveway is like 250 feet straight down, so a lot of work. All right, so the news here is at least the streets, and we'll get the full uh, forecast and traffic report in just a moment. But the streets here, most places, pretty clear this morning. The commute in, pretty easy. You just leave maybe a couple extra minutes to get that slushy snow off of your car before you head out. WABC News Time 533. Brian Kilmeade, of course, he's on 10 to noon every day right here, 77 WABC, does a great show. He has an exclusive interview this morning with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. The interview will play just after 10 a.m. this morning. He asked the governor what he thought of Donald Trump today, which is always a tricky question to answer because you don't want to get hammered by the former president. It's silly season. I mean, you know how, how some of this stuff goes. And obviously he, he does his thing. And it's just that's kind of kind of kind of who he is. But what I wanted to do was was just give an honest appraisal of kind of how we got to this point, the failures of the D.C. Republican establishment and how Donald Trump was speaking to things that some of the old guard refused to address and and that's just a fact yeah i was if i was brian kilmeade i'd ask this question as well yeah i think he was hoping that maybe he would hammer donald trump and he'd get like an exclusive bite but uh kilmeade or rather desantis was not biting at least when it came to donald trump you know he can say you know what he wants about me i'll always give him credit for the things that he did uh that were positive and i'm and i'm appreciative of a lot of, of the things uh, that he did doesn't mean i you know agree with with everything um that he's doing lately or whatever uh but ultimately it's a 
about delivering for the people you represent and delivering for the country. So I wasn't really into kind of trying to, you know, throw pot shots at anybody. My thing was just kind of explaining, you know, my approach to leadership. Of course, the Florida governor has not announced yet. I mean, the assumption is he is going to run, but he has not announced yet. You can hear that entire interview. There's a whole lot more to it. Around 10.15 this morning right here, 77 WABC on the Brian Kilmeade Show. WABC News Time 535, the Biden administration emphasizing the importance of Black History Month during a ceremony yesterday at the White House. Truth and who we are as a nation. History matters. History matters and black history matters. Look, I can't just choose to learn what we want to know. We learn what we should know. We have to learn everything, the good, the bad, the truth and who we are as a nation. This was at the White House yesterday. Of course, he was joined by Vice President Kamala Harris, the first black woman to serve as a VP. Black history is American history and history that we then must teach and celebrate. WABC News Time 536. It was a week ago that Jimmy Carter's family, it was actually the Carter Center, said that Jimmy Carter had gone into home hospice care, was not going to take any medical interventions anymore, would not be in a hospital, wanted to be home in Plains, Georgia, surrounded by his family. And since then, we haven't really heard anything about him. The, the assumption was maybe he was close to death, but maybe that's not the case. His niece is speaking out about her uncle, uh, and this is what she had to say. Right now, we, we honor Uncle Jimmy, and, and we know that he knows that every single breath he takes. You know, I love that accent, right? That Plains, Georgia accent. By the way, this is Leanne Smith talking about her uncle. Again, this is Jimmy Carter's niece. Every step he takes, every person who's there with him is there because it's supposed to. Yeah, so she's saying that he's um, eating, even asked uh, to have soup brought to him. She told Fox 5 in Georgia that uh, he still has some time in him. She says uh, the 98-year-old decided, of course, earlier this month to spend his final days at home. But she says he's doing okay in home hospice care. WABC News Time 539. The White House says it's confident in its legal authority to roll out its student loan forgiveness program. We're confident. Uh, in our legal authority, we're going to see what the Supreme Court uh, decides, but clearly our, the oral argument uh, is happening uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m. before the U.S. Supreme Court, so I'll leave that to the Department of Justice. Supreme Court, of course, hearing arguments on President Biden's plan to forgive an estimated $400 billion in student loan debt. That's White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre you just heard. She says the program will give tens of millions of Americans more breathing room to start a family or buy a home. The program would cancel $10,000 in debt for those earning less than $125,000 per year, up to 20000 for those who received Pell Grants. This program is going to give tens of millions of Americans across the country a little bit of a breathing room that you hear from the president who says this a lot. That's part of his economic plan. You can understand the appeal of this program. I've got a kid in college, and I can tell you it's really expensive. Do you know... That NYU, this is crazy. You wonder, like, who can afford to send their kid to college anymore? And if they do, what kind of serious debt they take on? NYU, 70 grand a year. 70 years. So let's see, seven times four. $280,000. That's, I mean, come on. 
maybe some of the issue is these colleges are charging way too much. I mean, that's definitely the issue. Maybe that should be investigated, why colleges can get away with charging so much. Uh, more from the White House. It's unfortunate that Republicans, uh, some Republicans officials across the country think differently. They don't think that Americans need a little breathing room. They don't think that tens of millions of Americans who have gone through what we've gone through. Look, I get it. If you already paid for your kid's college, you say, why should these people get a break? But $70,000 a year to go and my you I mean, clearly you can go somewhere else or not go to college at all. But that just blows my mind. WABC News Time 542. NTSB says a plane that crashed in Nevada over the weekend actually broke into pieces before it hit the ground. So now they're wondering what the heck happened. The radar track and all of the radio communications with air traffic control were absolutely normal. There was no distress call. The cause of the crash that killed five people just minutes after it took off from Reno, not clear. The plane was on its way to Salt Lake. A pilot, a flight nurse, a patient, a paramedic, and a family member. Tragically, uh, there were no survivors. Plane operated by Guardian Flight, which is a company that specializes in medical transport. So the assumption is some of these people are on their way to have some sort of procedure. It makes the story even more awful. This will be the fourth event that the NTSB has investigated with um, Guardian Flight over the last several years. So weather could be some of the issue here, but again, the plane broke into pieces before it hit the ground. Something else is going on. WABC News Time 542, where we're talking about the airline industry. A New Jersey congressman wants airlines to get rid of surprise costs for travelers. You know what it's like. You sign on to get a ticket. And they hit you with all these different costs, whether it be a piece of luggage or you want a better seat. And uh, all of a sudden, like a $400 fare becomes a $700 fare. It's $50 for a luggage. It's $100 to upgrade your seat a couple aisles. It's not even like you're being upgraded to business class. It's just economy. And so Congressman Josh Gottheimer is urging the Department of Transportation to finalize rules that would require airlines to show the full price of the plane ticket up front. None of this, you know, piecemealing it together. The family's flying out of here or any airport know the true cost of a flight from bags to seats and what happens to their tickets if they need to make a change. So he's proposing all airlines be mandated to display a so-called airline transparency box, which will highlight baggage fees along with the change and cancellation fees. He says far too many of his constituents in New Jersey complaining that fare rules are too confusing as the airlines are trying to nickel and dime passengers. That's the most annoying part is you buy the ticket and then all these different upgrades, the things you got to pay for. Just tell us how much the ticket is. That's my real issue. It's the gotchas and the lack of transparency. More from the congressman from New Jersey. More transparency when purchasing airfare will help protect families and consumers from surprise charges, making it crystal clear what their purchase actually means so they know exactly what they're getting in return for their hard-earned dollars. Good for you, Josh Gottheimer. WABC News Time 544. A groundbreaking new study is linking obesity to Alzheimer's disease. It looked at a genetic similarity. Almost 30% of the set of genes we looked at that are related to Alzheimer's disease were activated more. The thought here is if you're heavy, 
you're more likely, in this study anyway, to come down with Alzheimer's. This is a research done at the University of Texas. Uh, the head researcher says this is why Alzheimer's is more frequent among adults who experience obesity in midlife. And she goes on to say it's proof that people in their 40s and 50s need to slim down as a way to keep their brains healthy along with their bodies. And this is particularly worrisome because the prevalence of dementia is expected to soar in the next couple of decades. Interesting study. We still, of course, don't know really what causes Alzheimer's. Lots of studies being done of the brain. They haven't figured it out, but they've linked now obesity to it anyway. We've seen steadily increasing trends in obesity. This could potentially magnify greatly the the problem. Another reason to lose some weight if you're uh, on the heavy side. WABC News Time 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, and here's Justin Alec. Thanks, Gnome on the hardwood. The Knicks stayed white hot last night at home with the then first place Boston Celtics beating them 109 94 to knock Boston out of the NBA's top spot and to secure the Knicks' uh, sixth straight victory, I should say. Julius Randle and Emmanuel quickly. Each scored 23 points for the Orange and Blue, who were aided by the fourth-quarter ejection of Boston star Jason Tatum. Jalen Brunson added 17 from the point guard position, including this nifty little lay-in to get the Knicks going early on. That's to his face, and he's getting shot. Brunson, nice change of direction. Oh, oh, oh from under. A great footwork from Jalen Brunson. That's his first hoop of the game. 6-1. How he manipulates the devastates right there. That call courtesy of MSG with the win. New York inches ahead of the Brooklyn Nets in the fifth place in the Eastern Conference standings. Emmanuel quickly spoke with MSG after the game about the team's will to win as of late. Six straight wins for the Knicks now. How much does that come down to chemistry in your mind? And can you describe what it's like inside the locker room right now? Yeah, God is great. Uh, we've been getting wins. You know, everybody's working hard, coming in, getting work in. So... Uh, and our chemistry together is, is on another level. So we just want to continue to keep doing that. Uh, everybody's playing together, and, and, that, and that's what we're going to keep doing. Up next for the Knicks is a chance at seven straight when they welcome in the aforementioned Brooklyn Nets tomorrow night. And sticking with those Nets, they'll be back on the court tonight at home for a 7.30 p.m. tip-off against the Milwaukee Bucks. Also looking ahead to local ice hockey action tonight. The Islanders will be out in Minnesota taking on the Wild for an 8 p.m. puck drop and a quick look at college basketball tonight as well with the Seton Hall Pirates getting set to welcome in Villanova tonight at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Here with the early news sports update, I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 549. Let's catch up on some of the big stories of the morning in Perth Amboy, New Jersey yesterday. Hundreds of students taking to the streets, walking out of class because they no longer feel safe. This is after a sixth grader stabbed a fifth grader with a kitchen knife last week. You can't make this stuff up anymore. They're not letting kids be kids. The people who are supposed to be protecting us aren't doing that and we need to change. I mean, it's, it's what they say, you know, it's fights, it's bullying, it's violence. The kids just run amok. When kids uh, scream for help, you should give it to them. Perth Boys school system has to step up and protect these students. No, I do not feel safe at all. We, we've we been telling them for ages now that we need, we need new security guards, we need new protection, we need metal detectors.
That fifth grader was in the ICU over the weekend. Thankfully, he's going to be okay. The sixth grader who stabbed him, as you might guess, in a lot of trouble facing numerous charges, including the juvenile version of attempted murder. WABC News Time 515 out to Hoboken, where there is low water pressure this morning due to a water main break yesterday that cut off water to much of the Mile Square City. This is a big one. Um, I haven't seen one this big in a, in a while. It's unfortunate. My dogs don't have water. <laughs> um, can't take a shower, can't do dishes, nothing. So it's not fun. They had to sure. close a lot of businesses down because there was no water. Schools actually closed in Hoboken because there was no water there. The good news is we hear from Mayor Ravi Bala that the water is back on, but the issue is getting the pressure back into some of those high-rises, and there's lots of high-rises in Hoboken. It's a legal requirement uh, at, for sanitary reasons. We have to shut down any establishments that don't have access to water. Yeah, so again, water back on in Hoboken, just an issue of pressure at this hour. WABC News Time 551, wild scene in Patterson, New Jersey. Seven sheep escaped from a slaughterhouse in Patterson onto the streets. The lucky seven escaping yesterday morning. They were spotted by neighbors and animal control officers near a Sealy mattress store and over by a Dunkin' Donuts. Police say the chase gave way and they caught up with all seven of the sheep. This is near the train tracks, apparently. I hope that one stays back there. Got it? Yeah, they were fighting the people, oh, fighting buddy, we're the animal control officers to, because they were scared about what was going to happen. There was three together. There was one trying to get into Dunkin' Donuts in <laughs> Patterson, and the other one was trying to buy a mattress at Steely Mattress. Yeah, okay. Uh, one stray sheep ran from uh, Patterson to Hawthorne. It was eventually captured in uh, Fairlawn. I can only imagine where they came from, but I do know where they're going. It's just a great feeling knowing that Uh, It's not going to be on someone's plate. Yeah, so now back to the slaughterhouse from where they escaped, though it makes sense they should be handed back to the slaughterhouse because that's where they escaped from. Someone owned them, but uh, the slaughterhouse, I guess, not asking for them back. So uh, they're on their way to the Skylands Farm, a place, uh, Skylands Animal Sanctuary, which is in Sussex County. The guy who owns it uh, came to pick them up. He put it, the sheep into a trailer. He says uh, the last time they were in a trailer, they were on their way to a slaughterhouse. So he says they don't like trailers so much. And these guys, I hate to say it, you know, no time have they gotten on a trailer has their life gotten better you know it's gotten scarier and scarier they'll be quarantined um the vet will come and check them and he'll give them the okay and whatever they need any vaccines any anything and then they'll join our 43 other sheep with their own nice big barn yeah, they'll live out their life. Uh, so lucky sheep, those lucky seven. WABC News Time 553, a new study ranks Georgia as one of the worst states for women. The study was based on 25 metrics, including income levels among women, share of women living in poverty. She sounds like AI, right? It doesn't sound like a reporter. Women's preventive health care and... That's weird. Hold on a second. The study was based on 25 metrics, right? including income like levels AI? among women, share of women living so in poverty. strange. Oh, and the Peach State came in number 46 overall, making it the sixth worst state for women. Georgia did especially poor in female graduation rate and female unemployment categories. Uh, what did really well? Yeah, right here in New York. New York's numbers were uh, much higher. Driving a car 
was once a widely coveted rite of passage, but a rising number of kids no longer see it that way. 60% of American 18-year-olds had a driver's license last year. That's down from 91% back in the 80s when I was a kid. 16-year-olds with licenses dropped from 46% to 25%. It seems kids do not want to get their driver's license anymore. I've experienced this with one of my own kids. Not interested. He got one, but not interested in driving. Not really clear why. The head of a driving school over in New Jersey says he's seen a huge dip in the number of people coming in to get a license. When I took driver's ed, all my friends, the, the minute you turn 16, you wanted to get your license. You know, I'm not sure what, why the reason is for it. Probably because they have other options to get around and maybe parents just keep driving their child or they can't afford it. Uh, or public transportation, yeah. Maybe that's it. Teens can summon uh, Uber or Lyft, of course, with the tap of a finger. I see my bill every month because my kids do. Parents can monitor a child's every move through the app. Uh, phones were, you know, of course, a distraction. So maybe some parents are happy that their kids are not driving around. But ultimately, you got to have a license in life. Well, you know, let point, me uh, jump in here for yeah. a second. I have not driven a car in six years. At all, not once. Not once. I had two DUIs. I'm not proud of it. In fact, I'm embarrassed, but it was the case. I got arrested in Brooklyn. I had no idea my license was suspended going back to six years ago. Right. I have not, and I've got a Porsche. I've got a Denali. I've got a Lexus. I haven't driven a car in six years. Living in New York, it makes no sense. Why would you want to pay for a car? Why would you want to pay a monthly bill, all the insurance, when you can hop in a lift? Hop on a train, hop on a bus. Right. So you ask the question, why aren't kids getting their licenses? It's expensive and doesn't make sense in a city like this. Well, yeah, that's true for New York. But these are this is nationwide. It's down 30% for kids getting licenses. So you're talking about kids who live in the suburbs. That's their only way of getting out of the house is yeah. having a car. They're not interested in learning how to drive Well, you're either. right. The Uber and Lyft bill. I mean, my daughter goes to school in Europe. Oh, forget it. Her bill, Anom, is, yeah. is unbelievable. And my son... For example, this morning, we're staying in uh, Battery Park. He goes to school in Chelsea. He gets back and forth every day with an Uber. Now, he takes a school bus, and we're back home in Queens, but he's been Ubering back and forth every day, too. So that's the easy way to go. It's uh, very expensive, but still less expensive than spending 50000 on a car and all that car insurance. Yeah, but you don't want to be that 30-year-old guy who doesn't know how to drive and has to rely on other people to get you somewhere. That's just It never works out well for people like doesn't? that. Doesn't? No. Chicks don't dig that? No. They don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I guess some of these kids are waiting for the fact that dro- cars are driving themselves now. Maybe that's the future. I they guess. won't need to have a license. But just so strange. My kid also not that interested in learning how to drive. I don't even have a license. I've got a passport ID. Could you get your license now? I, I can get it uh, next February. Oh, I can okay. get it. But, you know, I haven't driven a car in a long time. My wife doesn't like when I drive so because she says I text, don't pay attention. So I'm in no hurry to get one either. I've got three beautiful cars. But I'm not driving. And uh, right now, my ID is a passport ID without even an address. But it's got my name, date of birth, and all that stuff, so I can travel with that. Huh. All right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm exactly like one of these kids. I'm just you are. Uh, 56. Yeah, it's just odd that I, I remember, remember when you were a kid, that's all you could wait for was get your driver's license. I really didn't care. Just, oh, you didn't? All right. Well, I just no. wanted to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> you need a car sometimes to do that, by the way. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? 
Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.